is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Well, welcome to the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. David, I've been gone for a little while. Um, so I do apologize to our many listeners who have, I'm sure, been going through withdrawal or not uh, to, to hear my melodious voice. But um, uh, I have been traveling. I just got back from a delightful vacation to Italy. Uh, we'll start with the garden update, David. Uh, the <laughs> garden's dead. <laughs> after, you've, after you've been gone for a few weeks, the garden's dead. Uh, with 20, all the rain 2015 is over with gardening. It is. Now, I will tell you, though, that in one of the markets in Italy, I picked up some seeds. Properly packaged and for export. And, right, uh, oh, okay. So they, you could bring them back in without them. Back in. Uh, tomatoes and uh, some unique-looking tomatoes and some uh, peppers and some... Uh, only like I only, I only got five different things. I can't remember what the other couple things are, but uh, look like the, some of them were giant peppers, like about that big, giant huh. bell peppers. So I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to what they do this next year. Although I told my wife, I am leaning towards not planting the garden next year in in the abundance that I've done in the past, and instead focusing on my fruit trees. We have 30 fruit trees that aren't bearing any fruit because I'm not taking care of them. So it's kind of the garden update. We'll have to figure out how many fruit I trees. I got to give you one. Uh, last okay. year, I was. Overwhelmed with jalapenos. Yeah, I know that you were. Just, you know. So this year, I only planted uh, about four jalapeno plants, which then, but for me, that's enough. Yeah. But I surrounded them with bell peppers, and the most interesting thing has happened: the bell peppers crossbred with the with the jalapenos. Really. And I've got one jalapeno plant that's still putting out hot peppers. Uh-huh. I mean, they'll. Mm, you know, picking them, they're yeah. hot. But I've got like three other jalapeno. Uh, they look like jalapenos. They taste like jalapenos, but they're not hot. But they're sweet. <laughs> they, <laughs> it, they are fantastic. Interesting. Make sure you save those seeds. Yeah, I, you know, um, I don't know if I don't have a dryer and all. You don't that need stuff. a dryer. Saving seeds is easy. Just it's easy. Save. Just leave them on a towel in your kitchen until they're dry, and then just pack them up in a dry, cool place till next year. Well, pepper plants are very easy to get. Tomatoes are a lot harder of. Yeah, but peppers are easy. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, they're they're uh, these these have been delightful. They're huh. perfect because they have the right flavor. Yeah, unique stuff like that happens in a home garden where you're not you know these big massive farms where they plant you know 500 acres of corn with one variety. There's no cross pollination, but you get you know I I usually plant four or five different types of corn next year. It's all cross pollinates, and it's very very interesting to see what happens. Very interesting that happens. David, while I was gone, uh, there was a um, there was some news on immigration while I was gone. I don't know if you noticed that or not. Uh, um, Donald Trump, that's because Donald Trump was talking again, so therefore it was some news on immigration. And um, I noticed that there was a lot of talk, um, both right before I left and, and just after I got back yesterday, on this idea of what the Constitution says about becoming a citizen, or how you be a citizen, how you become a citizen in the United States. And uh, the Constitution provides that those that are born in the United States, physically born here, regardless of their parentage, are U.S. citizens. That's a different issue than when we've talked about previously in regards to the qualifications for president, which do speak about a natural-born citizen. That's different. The 14th Amendment doesn't use the words natural-born. It just says citizenship. You become a U.S. citizen. Those that are born here, so I don't want to get into the whole, you know, whether Obama's natural born citizen because his Who dad was. Who would bring that up? I know. Who, Who would, would bring, bring that up? Uh, Donald Trump no. would. 
And apparently Ben Carson might as well, who apparently does not understand the Constitution of the United States. I don't think he's read the Constitution. I really don't. Uh, there was a great Onion article. Uh, it was entitled, uh, uh, Ben Carson Helping Us uh, Re-Understand That Not All Brain Surgeons Are Intelligent, or something like, something like that. Um, but the 14th Amendment, uh, that whole idea, whether you're born here, regardless of your parents' heritage or where they were born or what their status is, uh, are, in fact, U.S. citizens. If you can pull up the 14th Amendment there, um, and uh, I believe it's the second part of the amendment that talks about all individuals born in the United States are citizens uh, of the federal government and the states thereof or something like that. Uh, maybe you can find that real quick. Uh, in the All persons born or naturalized okay. in the United States and subject to the jurisdiction thereof mm-hmm. are citizens of the United States and of the state wherein they reside. All right. So talks about subject to the jurisdiction thereof. Now, I actually wrote an article on this, oh, my, about um, two or three years ago. And I, we did, I think we did a show on this issue. Now, whether a natural, what, you know, what is uh, subject to the jurisdiction thereof, the Supreme Court has actually ruled on that exact issue. David, do you know that? No, no. So uh, you wouldn't know that listening to Donald Trump and to uh, uh, and to Ben Carson, but the Supreme Court has actually ruled on that in 1898 uh, in a case called uh, Kim Wong Ark. Kim Wong Ark was uh, a Chinese, uh, uh, was a U.S. citizen of Chinese descent whose parents were uh, living in uh, California at the time. And they're trying to, to stop, the state of California was trying to stop Mr. Kim Wong Ark from, I don't know, voting or something like that. I forget what the details of that particular case were. And he ended up going to the Supreme Court of the United States, which found that Mr. Kim Wong Ark was a, was a citizen of the United States because his parents... Uh, were not essentially diplomats of the of, of the Chinese uh, government, uh, and in fact he was a uh, a citizen under the constitution. Uh, oddly enough, in the last I think within the last decade, the Supreme Court had another opportunity to discuss this issue. Uh, do you remember the case of the terrorist Hamdi? H A M D I. Yeah, uh, you remember that, right? Uh, they, that's, I think she went to the Supreme Court on this guy's case. Uh, and the issue, while not before the court in complete directness, was fully briefed by one of the anti-citizenship groups out there, um, arguing that because Hamdi's parents uh, were not properly documented in the United States, that Hamdi himself was not a U.S. citizen when he was born here. Uh so the Supreme Court had an opportunity to address this issue again and simply ignored it. Simply ignored it. Because it's, it's, not, it's been decided. So you have 120 years, uh, 118 years of precedent uh, saying that an individual born in the United States is, in fact, a U.S. citizen unless his parents are diplomats, uh, which is what, subject to the jurisdiction thereof, meant in 1867, I think, is when the 14th Amendment passed. Um, and uh, so, as a result, people that are born here, regardless of their, of their parentage, unless their parents are diplomats, are, in fact, U.S. citizens. Why is that important? Well, it's not important as it relates to uh, who can be president of the United States. That's a separate clause, David, which we will not talk about today again. We've talked that to death, and I invite callers 
to listen to what we did two whole shows on that one pro and one for uh, one against right David I think that's what we did about what was that about two years ago now a year and a half ago yeah. forget when we had those guests on um, on that issue uh, they can decide for themselves what, the, what natural born citizen means uh, but as far as being a citizen of the United States I think that's pretty clear now and well settled law and uh, I, I bring this up because uh, uh, I love that David it's very good uh, because um, there was an article in the New York Times yesterday about this, quoting uh, several prominent uh, law professors, including a good friend of mine, Stephen Yellaire. Uh, we need to have Stephen on the show one day to talk about this, uh, where it's, it's quite clear the Supreme Court is not going to reconsider this issue. Uh, they're not going to change their mind over 116 years of precedent just because some, pe- some people think they should. Um, the reality is the Supreme Court rarely changes its mind on issues. Now, David, I, I wanted to talk about that today because we get so much political blather mm-hmm. talking about who is and is a citizen. You've got Trump still think, still saying out there that Obama's not really a natural-born citizen of the United States. He wasn't born in America. But you know, actually, you know what? He's great about this. He says, some people say it. I'm not telling you whether it is or not, but some people say it. I mean, it's a classic doublespeak. Look. I heard that David is a ripper and drunk when he's not on the air, but I can't confirm that. I just heard it. Uh, You have to decide. I don't know if it's true or not. I I mean, I really can't tell you whether it's true or not. Uh, It could be. It could not be. I don't know. You decide. Uh, You know, that's that's usually called slander when you say stuff like that. David, and by the way, David is not a ripper-roaring drunk when he's not on the air. Not at all. I would hardly call his drinking making him drunk. No, just kidding, David. David, that's why I've never seen David drink in my whole entire life. Uh, but that's what happens is you get these politicians which uh, cater to the lowest common denominator of thinking. Uh, much like you have Ben Carson now saying that um, a Muslim could not be president of the United States. He couldn't, he couldn't vote for a Muslim for president of the United States. Now, fortunately, every other legitimate candidate for presidency has come out and, and said, you're an idiot. Um, and uh, there are no religious tests for office. In fact, I think, David, you do have that part of your constitution where it says that uh, there are no religious tests for office in the United States of America. Uh, it's in there. You do agree with me that's in there, right? Apparently Ben Carson does not know that. Um, and he just doubled down on that. I think that will be the end of his candidacy, uh, frankly, at this point. People are beginning to realize that the candidates out there that are leading the field are really good for entertainment purposes. They really help you get this feeling like, yeah, people can talk about this how I feel and nobody... And they can lead the way. And then realize, man, that sounds just stupid. And so you're going to see Trump fold here. I would guess by Christmas Trump will be gone. Uh, Carson will be gone, I think, before Christmas. You know when the next Republican debate is, David? Uh, October, right before Halloween, I think, right? Yeah, they're all wearing masks, so you can't <laughs> By the way, have you seen the kid version of the debate? I, I saw just a... Oh, it's hilarious. Because they get the kids to say the exact yeah. words, and it's just it's just really hilarious. When you see them coming out of the little kids, you just got to go, well. Of course, Scott Walker doesn't say anything, so I wouldn't worry about watching well, him. Well, he's gone. I know. He's, he's, that's why I'm saying he didn't say anything. He's, he's quickly gone from the race. Uh, right now, Carly Fiorina is uh, kind of getting... Does this remind you of four years ago at all? Come on, Does she, or? Newt Gingrich, oh, coming back. And then huh. you had this guy, he's coming back. And you just had Torma, he's going to come back. Huck him, he's going to... At the end of the day, all those guys end up disappearing. So who do you think, Bush? It's either Bush or Kasich, maybe Rubio. I don't think Cruz is going to last. 
Um, although he doesn't, he's got a job. He doesn't really care. He's got nothing to lose. Uh, he can keep, you know, he's got a relatively small campaign staff. He's focusing on a couple states. So Cruz will be around for a while. Rubio's got the backing of some big money people and has been apparently calling Sheldon Adelson in Vegas every day uh, asking for his continued support. Um, Bush and Kasich are out there. Kasich is the only sitting governor running who has positive support in his home state. <laughs> Neither Christie nor Jindal have, it, have positive support. That speaks volumes. The people that know you the best don't like you, that's, that speaks volumes. Now, Hillary's numbers were upside down in New York this morning, too. Yeah. Presumably that's Hillary's quasi-home state, right? And uh, Bernie's come out with Hollywood behind him. You know, Bernie's an interesting guy. Uh, you've, have you seen those tests online on Facebook? Hey, I took the test that who you know what candidate you should support, and apparently it's rigged to say that everybody should support Bernie Sanders <laughs> or something like that. Because I took the test, and it said you're like sixty percent towards Bernie Sanders. You know, really, Bernie is is obviously a smart guy. Uh, he doesn't do negative campaigning, which I, I mean I got to respect that. I mean, he has said nothing negative about Hillary. Um, or anybody else. Well, uh, what could you say bad about Hillary? Well, it's true. It's true. Some of my Facebook thing, friends, I think I might should vote for her. I said, you're crazy. I wouldn't vote for her. Uh, Bernie? I don't know. But Bernie's a socialist. What exactly makes him a socialist? Other than he says he is. But what exactly makes Bernie a socialist? Um, think about this in the long run. Is, aren't many of his positions actually quite conservative? Uh, we shouldn't be involved in foreign, foreign military uh, expeditions unless our direct national security is threatened. Okay. I mean, I kind of agree with that. I think most people in the military agree with that. Um, he does believe in universal health care, but so does Donald Trump. So I guess that makes him a Republican. Um, Bernie, believe, I'm trying to remember what some of his positions are on more controversial issues. He's pro-choice, but every Democrat is. So, you know, there's Republicans that are pro-choice. Donald Trump was, at least until he ran for president. Um, and so a lot of the things that he sta- he talks about, you go, huh. Yeah. Well, the only thing I would say, I, I was listening to him the other day, and uh, the more he talked, the more I said, well, you know, that's all well and good, but who's going to pay well, for this? Well, that's it. That's the bottom line with Bernie Sanders. How are you going to pay for all this stuff? Yeah, I mean, I could, I could get elected if... Hey, I'm going to free education for everybody, free health care for everybody. I'm going to make all these promises. I think his point is broader than that. I said, okay, look, I know it's expensive, but let's look at places that do these things and let's look at how they pay for it. Denmark, for example. Denmark, obviously, you know, a tiny, itty bitty country in Europe, but they have universal health care. They have free education. I mean, Sweden does it, they they can do it. You know, one of the things that stops us, I think, from. being able to afford some of this stuff, it's not necessarily a tax increase. But, for example, we are not allowed to export oil from the United States. I, okay. You're talking to the choir right. right now. So brother. if we can't export oil from the United States, what, what is the federal government missing out on? <laughs> Tariffs and duties on exporting oil. How we, do countries we can't like... Even, we can't even have enough oil to... Eliminate importing. No, we oil. do. Well, we do have enough oil to do that. I mean, we have tons. We, we can. We, we, but, we can literally but, eliminate. But why don't we? Why don't we why, eliminate? That's it. We, right. We're still well, there's, importing. There's some policy oil. reasons why we don't eliminate it. If we eliminate imports, then Saudi Arabia falls. So, 
strategically probably not in the U.S.'s best interest. Or Israel's, for that matter. Israel, I will defend to the... Exactly. But, you know, Saudi Arabia, while not an ally of Israel, does serve as a, a massive buffer to Israel. Are they an ally of the United States? Maybe, maybe not. It depends on the day. Yeah. Depends on the day. But they're not Iran, which is an about enemy. It's been a while. I've been in Italy. I've been taking, speaking, speaking Italian Spanish. Oh, we uh, missed our break. Oh, we missed our break. Let's take a break. We've been talking about interesting issues as why. We'll be back here on the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. Si usted tiene problemas con inmigración o asuntos que tiene que arreglar, llama a los abogados de Cook Immigration Partners. Somos en su lado. Tenemos más de 50 años de experiencia haciendo las leyes de inmigración y defendiendo a los inmigrantes. Llámenos hoy a las 404-816-8611, a las 404-816-8611 o al www.immigration.net. Did you miss the show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on americaswebradio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on americaswebradio.com anytime you like. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules or if you marry a foreign national. Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. This is America's Webradio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Welcome back to the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. At least one of the few listened to podcasts on immigration in the United States. People listen to us, right, David? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we've got tens of thousands that download the podcast, so we yeah, appreciate I, our listeners. I uh, was Actually, our numbers went down a bit while you were gone. Well, because you were gone. Because it's gone. And, uh, it's going to happen. They, uh, they had heard the same thing a couple of times. Yeah, I don't like to listen to that anymore. I heard that before. Um, but we were talking about this whole political thing, about how it pertains to immigration. Um, immigration is a bellwether for a lot of these things. Uh, Bernie favors um, Bernie is a union guy, right? Bernie's a union guy, so he has not necessarily been great on H one B visas, for example, which uh, some unions allege uh, impact the ability of Americans to keep their jobs because they're being replaced by cheap foreign labor. I think that's not true, but some people argue that it is. Uh, now. So he wouldn't be good for me on that issue. But on the other hand, he understands that bringing the best and the brightest to America is important for our national uh, uh, increase, our national economic growth. Uh, we look at countries that don't do that, and you see them declining uh, in, in their economic structure and how they're moving things. Uh, so what I'm saying is maybe Bernie should be your candidate, David. You can say it. I don't want to say it. You don't but think, then I, Bernie should be your no, candidate. I, I think Biden will be the ultimate candidate. You think Biden's going to come in and save the day? I don't know that he's going to save the day, but I think he will come in and uh, be the be the uh, Democratic candidate. You know, I got to tell you, I don't think he's going to run. I think he he personally would love to because I think he really, really, really wants to be president. He always has. <laughs> um, always had wanted to be president, uh, but. 
you know, I'm just not sure he's got it anymore. I mean, losing losing your whole family now, I mean, all but one daughter of his original family, that's that's brutal. Oh, yeah. Um, no question. And, um, you know, he Hillary's a hawk. You know that. Hillary is a hawk on military issues. He is not. He is clearly, he's a good foreign policy guy, but he is not a hawk on issues. What I'm going to guess is he's, Hillary's going to go to him and say, hey, eventually and say, look, you bet you don't do this, and I'll make you Secretary of State. I'm not sure. I, I know that you got your money on the table for Hillary. <laughs> no, no. I'm just but I'm just looking at what the odds look like here. I'm not sure she's going to be in the in the running. David, who who is best at fixing odds? Do you know who that is? Las Vegas. No, no, no. Actually, even better than Vegas are the British bookies. Yeah, the British bookies. Uh, and they got Hillary way out ahead on winning the next election. I mean, not way out ahead, but certainly not within the margin of error. I mean, she's going to win the next election unless there is some either radical change in the American electorate or some radical event that makes people believe that she is incapable of defending the homeland. Given the fact that she is a hawk on these issues... Given the fact that the GOP is chasing away non-primary voters for a general election with the current slasher candidates, given that Obama wants to naturalize 8 million people by next October, not going to do that, obviously, but he want, he's gonna, got a video campaign doing that, I just don't see a path forward for any GOP candidate absent one, like a case at your butch, maybe a Rubio, but probably not, uh, to become president. I just don't see it happening. I got in a Facebook discussion with a friend of mine about Carly Fiorina last night when I just said, look, she was, she was a crappy CEO, and she got fired. She hadn't had a job in a decade. Oh, but she's been on this board and that board, and she made all this money, and her, she negotiated her great settlement. She didn't go, they just said, here's your money. Get out of here. We want, we want you gone. $40 million is not bad. I, I thought it was $65 million, actually. Was it? Because she made $100 million over, over five years that she was a CEO there. Um, but that's chump change to a multi-billion-dollar company to get rid of somebody they, they they literally can't stand and think is leading them in the wrong direction, and yet no company's come up since then and offered her a job. Hey, you were an amazing CEO at HP. Would you come in and be our CEO? No, nobody's done that. Nobody at all. Um, and so she's. I mean, she's obviously a smart woman, smart person for that matter. Doesn't matter if she's a woman. She's a smart person. But when's the last time a CEO? was a good president. Can you name that time? <laughs> you can't, can you? I'd much rather see Eisenhower. When, when was the last general. time? I know you would. When was the last time any CEO was president? Do you remember? No. I do. Well, I can't believe you don't. This guy was president when you were a kid. Herbert Hoover. I, I'm sorry. <laughs> you may have been a kid. I remember, but, uh, Herbert Hoover was the last CEO to be president of the United States. I, I How'd that work out? Yeah, he, he, no, got, so. he, he got, you know, he was oh my. not that good, but he got he got it in the back, you know. Um, I don't think he was that bad. He just got caught in between a rock and a hard place. He was terrible. No, he, he, was, he was terrible. He, he did not react to the financial crisis. Um, but that said, Carly's not going to be the candidate for president of the United States. And I was trying to tell my friend, look, oh, she'll eat Hillary up. No, she won't. The Clinton machine. Frank, look at look at look at Carly. Carly was destroyed 
by Barbara Boxer. Destroyed. In a wave election year. 2010, the Republicans won everything except Carly Fiennes' race. I mean, she didn't lose by two percentage. She lost by ten percentage points. I, I don't disagree with what you're saying. So there. she has zero well, chance of winning a national election. I, she can't carry her home state. I don't think. I still don't think your money's on Hillary. My money. No, no, no. My money's on. I'm just saying. My money's that Hillary won't make it to the to the finals. Well, I think we should make this official then, David. I thought we had already. I mean, what are you going to buy me? When Hillary wins the presidency, not and I won't vote for her, but I'm just saying you like the odds, the, you like the the what is it the uh, the diner the diner a, a, a ribeye at the diner the ribeye you got right it. yeah it's it's a if you're in Georgia make sure you come to Sandy Springs Diner best ribeye in town or Lampshanks one of the two uh, but I just found it interesting that this whole this rhetoric really everybody's touching on the immigration touchstone. Whether it's Ben Carson through his, you know, uh, Muslims, which are, many of them are immigrants to the United States, can't be president of the United States. Trump, that Obama's not really a, Obama's not really a citizen of the United States. Uh, we're going to build all these walls. Carly's that way. Scott Walker was the one that literally flip-flopped from being pro-immigrant, pro-legalization, pro-immigration reform to saying, shut the borders, close them down, deport everybody. I mean, truly a, a real flip-flop, not even a Romney-modified flip. This was a true, complete somersault in the opposite direction. A two-and-a-half piker. It was, all, it was perfect. Uh, and he's gone now. Uh, you've got, uh, who's the other dude that dropped out? I don't remember who he was anymore. Perry? Oh, Perry's gone. Uh, Perry had flip-flopped on immigration because he felt attacked the last time when he defended kids getting in-state tuition, and he backed off from that. I'm telling you, you walk away from immigration, you walk away from the future of America, and you walk away from the presidency. Um, I remain, people, oh, it's not that important an issue. I think it actually is that important of an issue uh, for people whose votes will swing the election. Well, my, and I'm sure you've been foaming at the mouth watching the debates and sitting on the edge of your bed. You know, unfortunately, I couldn't watch the last debate because I was I was literally in Italy and it was 3 o'clock in the morning. Well, it was past my bedtime at, at 9 o'clock. So, anyway, uh, my problem has been they've taken, taken either s- totally stupid issues and made something of them or, or they've stayed on the immigration issue, which... <clears throat> We have a lot of other problems. Oh, I agree. Uh, I, I don't Obama even think immigration is a top ten issue. They they should be talking about the economy, Absolutely. Obamacare, what we're going to do if it, you know. Hillary's talking about those issues. Do you know that? Hillary doesn't talk about any issues. She does. She talks she does. around how she walked around a tree and didn't hit the tree. Uh, you know that. See, that's what you're missing. What you're missing today. This is when you're watching too much Fox News and not enough MSNBC. <laughs> <laughs> Hillary is talking about these issues, and she's doing it in small groups. But who she – she these are Clintons, yeah, listen, I think These I are some of the best political operatives of the 20th and 21st century. Brilliant political operatives. They're going to the people who want who are going to vote, two, who they can sway to their vote, and three, saying things they know will bring other people to their vote. They're not attacking people. Uh, or issues she's that are going to chase people away, that are going to chase people away from her. Mm. She's attacking Trump. People who support Trump. Are they going to vote for Hillary ever? Nah. No. So she is free to attack Trump all she wants. And who does she look good to? 
people in the GOP and the independents who don't like Trump. She's free to attack stupid statements by Ben Carson. I respect the neurosurgeon, a terrible politician, okay, who clearly doesn't understand the Constitution of the United States. You can, are people that are going to support Ben Carson going to support Hillary Clinton? No. So she is free to attack them because she then attracts some liberal Republicans and some from independents. Democrats aren't going to support either of those two candidates. So the, the, the path the Clintons are pursuing here is one that is sophisticated, smart, and exactly what they need to be doing right now. The polls that came out, yeah, Bernie Sanders is not taking any votes away from Hillary Clinton. And everybody, everybody who supports Bernie Sanders will vote for Hillary Clinton when she's a nominee. Period. That cannot be said of people who support Donald Trump or Ben Carson. They will not necessarily support the GOP. They will just not vote, which will again cost the GOP the election. Let's come back here on the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. Si usted ha casado con un ciudadano, o tiene problemas con inmigración, o tiene una oferta de trabajo, llama a los abogados de Cook Immigration Partners. Somos en su lado. Con más de 100 años de experiencia en la ley de inmigración, conocemos la ley y sabemos cómo ayudarle. Llámanos hoy a las 404-816-8611, a las 404-816-8611, o visítenos al www.immigration.net. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on americaswebradio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on americaswebradio.com anytime you like. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules, or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. This is America's Webradio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Welcome back to America's Web Radio on the Immigration Hour. Uh, David, do you know the, the California GOP still exists? I don't know if you know that or not. Uh, I can't tell the colors. Just, uh, just the California GOP still exists. They voted on Sunday to soften their stance on immigration. Mm. Given the fact that they're a maybe the third largest party in California, probably not a bad idea. Um, the, uh, the change approved Sunday says, quote, Republicans hold diverse views on what to do with the millions of people who are currently here illegally. Although the new language emphasizes opposition to amnesty, it removes the statement that, quote, allowing illegal immigrants to remain in California undermines respect for the law, close quote. Uh, apparently the guy behind this, a GOP uh, fellow uh, of Latino origin, said it's important um, uh, to use, quote, language that is more appealing to California's diverse electorate. He called it an anti-Proposition 187 plank, referring to the 1994 legislation that started the anti-immigration ca- craze in the last 20 years. So the so now you have the entire California GOP repudiating uh, the anti-amnesty folks and the Trumpites, uh, the Trumpsters, or the Trumpkins, as we like to call them. Um, I think that bodes well for the national GOP uh, and I think what you're going to end up having is a platform uh, when either Bush 
or Kasich or even Cruz uh, or even even well, Cruz is actually on this issue too, uh, and uh, Rubio are the nominees. Or they're going to change that platform, move away from the anti-immigration rhetoric of 2012, and put something in it. They have to. They have no choice. If they have any hope of drawing Latino and Asian immigrant vote, they have no choice. Now, you remember I mentioned a few minutes ago about Obama. You remember, he's still the president of the United States of America. Obama. I thought that was the name of a golf course. No, no. That's... No, probably a good golf course, I would imagine. Um, but uh, Obama has started a program in which he is encouraging the 8 million lawful permanent residents who are eligible for citizenship to become citizens in the next year. They have until October, basically October 1st of next year, to become citizens in order to be eligible to vote in the next presidential election. Now... I doubt they could naturalize more than a million of those people. And it's funny, I put this up on my Facebook page yesterday, and one woman wrote, I'd love to naturalize. She wrote this in Spanish, but I can't speak English. So my response was, learn it. What's stopping? I mean, is it is it hard to learn English? Yeah. If you watch TV in, in Spanish all day long, and you talk to your kids and your parents in Spanish, and you listen to the radio in Spanish, and you only read Spanish newspapers, yeah, it's hard to learn English. There's very few classes out there. That's part of the problem. There's no. There's very few structured learning opportunities for learning English in America today. It's one Rosetta, of our big problems. Rosetta Stone doesn't have any. No, it really doesn't. Want to ask people who didn't learn Chinese from Rosetta Stone either. Plus, Rosetta Stone costs five hundred bucks. No, Rosetta Stone doesn't work. But reading a newspaper as best you can, listening to America's Web Radio um, in order to get a proper education, right, David? Uh, uh, watching television, listening to radio in English, speaking to your kids in English, speaking to your parents in English, speaking to yourself in English. Those things help you get a better understanding. And I like to tell people, look, in order to pass the citizenship exam, you do not need to be William Shakespeare. Here's what you need to know to pass the exam. First of all, there's a civics test. Which you can study in your own language. You can study in Spanish, and you can have the English and language version side by side, and you can read, who was the first president of the United States? ¿Quién era el primer presidente de los Estados Unidos? Okay, George Washington. Okay, you, can, you can do that. You can study the question. So you can learn that. Two, um, the English language portion is both a written and a spoken test. Here's the test, David. They, they hand you an 8.5 by 11 piece of paper. It has three lines on it. One two, and three. The officer says, read number two. Number two. The dog is brown. Great. You can read English. Turn the paper over. It's three lines. One, two, and three. They're all blank. On the line number two, write the following. The dog is purple. You can write that. Relatively good good spelling and punctuation. You pass. That's it. That's the English language test. Now, the, the interview itself has to be in English as well, but the officers are very flexible in making sure that they typically, the good ones, they speak slow enough that you understand. Nobody expects you to be able to master the English language, particularly if you're an older immigrant coming in in your third, 40s, 50s, or 60s. But, you know, you can do it if you really put your mind to it. Now, there's also exceptions to that rule. 
if you have a diagnosis from a doctor that you are incapable of learning, early onset dementia, uh, serious illnesses that prohibit you from learning, maybe you maybe you literally have no education at all in your home country. You, you could be literally illiterate in your own language. Um, then you don't take the test at all. Plus, another exception is if you've been in the U, if you've been a permanent resident for 15 years, and you're over 55, you could take the test in your own language. If you're over 50 and been a permanent resident for longer than 20 years, you take the test in your own language. So, of the 8 million, I, they could easily, easily naturalize a million of those people. They could probably even do 2 million of those people. Um, they would, if they did 2 million, though, David, the rest of the application processes would suffer, is my guess. Uh, because they're going to have to borrow from Peter to pay Paul. They, they don't, they're not going to hire bodies just to do that. But the, every pre- Bush did this before each of his elections. Uh, Clinton did it. Reagan did it. They all make a push to naturalize people. What's interesting about this, though, David, though, is the sheer numbers. Eight million permanent residents of the United States. So that tells you a couple things. One, either people don't want to be citizens. Two, they can't afford it. It's $680, by the way. They can't afford it. Three, they don't. They feel they can't pass the test. Uh, or four, they're afraid. There's four reasons why they wouldn't do that. I think, number one, that they don't want to become citizens. That's, that's, a, that's a healthy number. At least 10%, I would guess, don't want to become citizens. Or... Some of them will lose their, their native citizenship if they become a U.S. citizen, so they, they don't want to do that. Uh, I think a big chunk, um, another, another 20% is the money. It's very expensive. I think a bigger chunk is a language issue. And then for some, it's just sheer, I, I forgot the fifth reason, sheer laziness. People come to me every single day. Hey, I'm married. I'm undocumented. I came here when I was, you know... 20, I'm now 40, I'm, my wife's a permanent resident. How do I get a green card? Well, how long has your wife been a permanent resident? Oh, forever, like 20 years. Why? What do you mean why? Why isn't she a citizen? Oh, well, anyway, she never got around to it. Never got around to it. Now, it's interesting. I look at my... my Let me ask, because everybody... Here's... You should know this better than I. And you, you have pointed it out to me uh, for many years now. you got immigration, that's one thing. And then you've got welfare, which, which is a totally different thing, or any benefits. Right. But the, the American populace, when you start talking Im- immigration, they mix the two in together. Oh, no, they, they absolutely do. They don't, they don't make them separate issues, no. which they are. So you've got that person that's been here for 20 years on a green card or permanent citizen, or not citizen, permanent resident. Permanent residence. <clears throat> so are they eligible for all welfare yes. benefits? Yes. And they will After get their social years. security yeah. and yeah. all of this. Absolutely. After so where years. is the husband then? The, she, uh, of, she, the, of that couple that you just mentioned? Well, after I get her naturalized, I will be able to get him a green card when he you have to leave the country, the whole process to go through. But I, get, I mean, I, even as a permanent resident spouse, I can get him a green card. It's just a lot longer to do it that way. But think about it. I mean, why didn't you do it? Oh, I just, you know, never got around to it. Never got around to it. So does he have a driver's license? No. No. He's just living his life undocumented. You know, okay, 
let me throw this back to you because mm-hmm. another statement you've made a thousand and one times, and I and I totally agree with you. We take, we educate, and then we kick them out. Yeah, we try, and or we try, and we. But those are the people that we really want here to benefit our country, right. to to make us better, to be the to be the uh, uh, neurosurgeons, to be the you know whatever and whatever and whatever. Yeah. Do we want the kind of couple that you're talking about? Yes, we do. Because he's a hard worker, pays his taxes. He has tax ID number, pays his taxes. Um, works, been working at the same job for okay, about 18 okay. now years. Let me ask, with a tax ID number, why has the government not said, who is Joe over here? Because the, the tax service under the Privacy Act cannot share information with any other government agency, absent a court order. The Privacy Act is why. And frankly, do you think the Treasury cares whether you're undocumented or documented when they get your money? No. They, trust no, me, they but, don't. You know, they have the same thing with the thing called HIPAA, but that's gone out the window. With, uh, well, HIPAA is ele- probably irrelevant at this point. With uh, electronic medical records, yeah. it's totally irrelevant. Yeah. But the tax service, they, it, this is about money, David, not about records. When it's about money, it becomes sacred. <laughs> so you don't share that information. So he's paid his taxes. He's, he's a good guy. He just, he just does not want to stay undocumented. He wants to figure out how to fix it. I said, dude, you could have fixed this years ago if your lazy wife had become a U.S. citizen. would have been easy to do. Now it's just a lot harder if she's going to stay, not, stay, not become a U.S. citizen. So you see this, this move. There's going to be another couple million people that are be citizens that can vote. And every month, just for Latinos, 50,000 Latino youth turn 18. Wow, David. Before the next election, that's another well over um, 700,000, 800,000 new voters out there. Who do you think they're going to vote for? The, 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 the party? The, they'll vote for me. <laughs> and I hereby announce my candidacy for the vice presidency of the United States of America. Uh, I, I love going to funerals. It's <laughs> <laughs> an old that's vice president joke for you. That's about all he does. Isn't that's it? about all he does. But he's been, i got to tell you, Joe's been a very good vice president. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, except his one one uh, slip up uh, on the air, but other than that, uh, only one. Yeah. Um, now, David, before we got a break coming up here, right? We can take a quick break now, and then we'll come back uh, talk about the Pope. Can, can give us about two minutes. Two more minutes, okay? But we'll finish up on this topic. Um, you've got a lot of people that are now going to be voting that have never voted before. They're going to be gone after by the Clinton machine. People are not stupid. The Republicans have essentially no Latino outreach, essentially none. Yeah, they have named people to do it. You can name one person to your Latino outreach. It's one person. You have 90 doing your American, your, your, your white person outreach. Who, well, how effective are they going to be? They're not going to be effective at all. You have no outreach. And I talked to a lot of my GOP Latino friends, and they're just like, you know, frankly, we could probably, we'd probably all vote GOP if people would just shut their mouths and stop saying stupid stuff. Exactly. The, the Latinos are, in many ways, a natural GOP constituency. Uh, but the GOP's rhetoric chases them away. Um, and uh, as much as you, uh, some listeners may love Donald Trump, although I find it hard to believe that anybody listening to this show would love Donald Trump, um, he's doing more damage to the Republican brand than any other GOP candidate in the last 30 years. He's the Lyndon LaRouche of, of the 21st century, for goodness <laughs> sakes. Uh, and for those, for those of you who don't know who Lyndon LaRouche is, Google it. Um, 
And I think that's one of the reasons. That's the reason Scott Walker gave for dropping out, other than the fact that nobody supported him and he's running out of money, um, that he wants the GOP candidates to be narrowed so they can get rid of Trump. Um, and I think what Scott's angling for is is the vice presidency at this point, although he has zero chance of being picked in the vice presidency. He's not not a good campaigner, and they, he's got he brings no state that they need in the next election. Um, which again is why Carly Fiorina will not be the candidate. She cannot bring California. Uh, let's take our final break here on the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. Soy Charles Cook, jefe del grupo de abogados Cook Immigration Partners. Estoy en su lado. Con más de 20 años de experiencia con la ley de inmigración, conozco cómo ayudarle. Sé la ley y sé que alguna gente podemos ayudar. Llámanos hoy a las 404-816-8611. A las 404-816-8611. O visítenos en el internet. www.immigration.net. Hello, I'm Dr. Mike Karuchak. Have you ever wondered what doctors talk about amongst themselves? If you do, join us on the Doctor's Lounge and hear the doctors' conversations amongst themselves. Join me and my co-host, Dr. Hal Schertz, every Thursday morning, 8 to 9 a.m. With all the back and forth in today's politics, it seems as though the Constitution gets lost in the mix. If you want to brush up on your Constitution, then join Michael Conley every Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. for the show Our Constitution on AmericasWebRadio.com. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. This is America's Webradio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Welcome back to today's final segment on the immigration era. David, I last want to talk about the Pope. Popo. The Pope. Now, I was just there visiting with him in Rome just this last week. I uh, stopped by. Uh, he was unfortunately not able to see me. He was with Castro and company. No, no, he was there. He was not. He, he was still in Rome. He oh, was still in Rome when I was there. He uh, went left to Castro on Wednesday of last week uh, to go see uh, Raul and, and Fidel. But um, uh, I was just over there. And i got to tell you, I've been to Rome several times now. People love this guy over there. Uh, he, uh, I don't think a single person in the Catholic Church liked Pope Benedict. <laughs> he seemed like a grumpy old German guy. Uh, but they put they putting Francis on the same pedestal as uh, John Paul II. Hmm. But these are two radically, radically different pontiffs in their political outlook, in their own um, the way they grew up, uh, the way they matured in in, in the church. Now I say this, David. I'm not a Catholic. Are you a Catholic? I'm not a Catholic. No. But I, I mean, I have friends that are Catholic. I grew up around Catholicism. I'm, I'm relatively familiar with the worship and, and, and the thought process. And it's uh, clearly disturbing to at least the six presidential candidates. Uh, the Pope's stance on a lot of issues, including immigration. Uh, the Pope, um, uh, Christie went so far as to say, "Look, the Pope's infallible on religious doctrine, but not on anything else." So that's a very catchy, catchy phrase, but uh, I don't know if I'd say the same thing if I was a Catholic. Um, but he's very uh, forceful on the issue of refugees and on uh, immigration in the United States, uh, mirroring the position of the U.S. Catholic Bishops' Conference, uh, 
which has been very pro towards immigration reform for the past forever, uh, but very vocal in the last decade. My friend and former partner Marie Odom used to be the immigration, used to be the head of U.S. Catholic uh, Charities and the Bishops Conference, and um, uh, she would confirm, I think, that it's really very interesting uh, to see the dichotomy between the Catholics running for president, which would I think Biden's a Catholic, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, of which there's no Democrats currently running, and the six GOP Catholics running. And uh, I, I was listening this morning to a show where they talked about the the six GOP Catholics running are John Paul Cat, John Paul II Catholics, uh, and that Biden would probably be more of a Francis Catholic. Uh, you've heard the term cafeteria Catholic over the years, and every religion has cafeteria people in, in it, a pick and choose doctrines they agree or don't agree with. Um, very few are fundamentalists in their religion in, the, in that regard. Uh, but it's interesting because he is so opposed in his public statements to so much of what these six GOP Catholic candidates stand for. Much different <clears throat> than the way that John Paul really reflected much of the early conservative movement. And maybe it's because maybe it's not the Catholic pontiff that's changed. Maybe it's the GOP that's changed in the last 30 years. You know, we don't always look at it from the other side of the coin. But I look at the, the tone that existed when I was in Italy, and I talked to you know, some random Catholics that I met there in restaurants and in, 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 in some of the places we stayed about this, and um, they really adore Francis, and they love the social justice that he talks about. This is the part of the GOP that I think could be very powerful, but which they consistently ignore because we buy too much into the whole John Galt theory of, uh, of, of the, let's call it the right wing of the GOP, the libertarian part. Now, David, have you read Ian Rand's Atlas Shrugged? No. All right. Well, you haven't missed anything, but uh, <laughs> the main character in that book um, is called John Galt. Well, he's not really a character. He's a thief. He's an idea. Ben becomes a character at the end, but he's an idea. Um, and the idea is basically the government should be out of my way. Let me do whatever I sing, uh, whatever I want. Trust me, I won't harm the economy. I'll pay fair wages. I'll do whatever, I mean, I'll do what I think is good for my business. And it's the government getting in the way, and, and it's a dystopian nightmare of a government that gets in the way of, of these people and destroys the world economy. That's that's Atlas Shrugged in a heartbeat. But they're all saved in the end because they all go to Galt's Gulch, and John Galt saves them. Oh. And a lot of folks, I think. Like Ian Rand, like 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 uh, right, Grand Paul, certainly certainly Ron Paul, think that that's the way the government should be. And there's a lot of that libertarian influence in some of these Catholic presidential candidates. That's a, that's in opposite to what the Pope's talking about now. Now, this Pope comes from a liberation theology background. Um, you know, the, the 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 radical Catholic priests of the 1960s and 70s and 80s. That's him. He was now. He underwent kind of a change of heart uh, when he was assigned to to the parish that he was in in, in Argentina, uh, and ended up rising through the ranks there because he's a good man at heart. Um, but this idea that you can't care for the poor and also um, how do I phrase this? Also support immigration reform and also also believe that government can do good is not in opposite to being a good Republican. The GOP, what they really need to look at is say, do we really want to be the party of no government? 
Because that's what a lot of candidates are saying they want. They want no government. Now, we tried this once, and it was called the Articles of Confederation, and it didn't work out so well for us. Hence the Constitution. Hence a strong federal government. We tried the weak federal government. It didn't work. Thank goodness our founding fathers realized that quickly. Within a decade, they realized that. And their, their foresight has worked pretty well for the last 235 years or so. <clears throat> but if we, if we look at the immigration context today, in light <coughs> excuse me, of the GOP candidates' positions on these issues, I think what you're going to end up seeing is that those candidates who line up more with a Pontiff Francis idea of, uh, of uh, treating the immigrant as one of your own, of, of opening your doors in a way that both protects your national security but also protects the most vulnerable in our society, I think you have a winning GOP combination. They're not mutually exclusive. I think too many of these candidates think that it is, that it's mutually exclusive. I don't think it is. Um, I think Bush and Kasich probably get that more than other people, Rubio to, to a certain extent. Um, and I'm curious to see how this plays out. I think, I'll, I think over the next three months, we're going to lose four or five more of these candidates. I think Christie will be gone. and um, Oh, Gilmore. And, uh, Gilmore is irrelevant. Yeah. Pataki is irrelevant. They'll be gone. Um, I think you'll see others kind of hanging on. Uh, Carson will disappear, I think, relatively quickly. Uh, you know, the, the one thing about the Pope, and you didn't mention this, that I find very interesting, and I, as I like history, I don't remember um, in the World War II era of history, if anybody should have come out, it would have been the Pope at that point, but I don't recall ever reading anything about it. But Francis is That's the first... That's actually a very controversial issue. Pardon me? That's actually a very controversial issue right now. Uh, the... To my knowledge, Francis is the first that's ever come out and said we should do away with ISIS, do away with some something. I've never heard, I, I don't recall a pope taking a stand and saying militarily we should do away with ISIS. I don't recall Francis saying that. Oh, he did. Uh, I, look it up. I'm sure he did. I'm, I just don't recall him saying yeah. that. I know he's also been very supportive of, of the Iran Treaty. Yeah. Um, but I think what he sees is the evil. ISIS is not a religion. It's, it's evil. Yeah. It's pure incarnate evil. And I, if, he, if he came out against it, I would, it didn't surprise me because it's, it's an evil thing. Um, and a pontiff should speak out, as religious leaders should speak out about evil. But they shouldn't couch that in terms of demonization of those things that that evil uses to achieve its goals when, in fact, that method may not be evil in and of itself. Uh, but... I think Francis is, is going to bring some real good controversy and some good immigration talk. Uh, he's going to visit prisons here. He's going to visit with some immigrants here. Uh, I'm very disappointed in the Obama administration for how they're handling the, the visit. Uh, they're inviting some dissident Catholics and some you know gay bishops to, to come in and meet with the Pope at the White House. And I'm sure Francis will handle that with aplomb and grace because he seems just like a gracious guy. Um, but really, you have Obama just sticking his nose and you know in, in, finger in the Pope's face, which doesn't surprise me. Um, but I'm disappointed in, in in the president for doing that. Um, it's not how you treat uh, you know somebody who is a, not only just a prominent but a good person, but a good person overall. Um, well, look at it, how he treated Netanyahu. Yeah, Netanyahu brought that on himself. I'm not I'm not going to blame Obama on. 
treatment of Netanyahu. Netanyahu's kind of a jerk, honestly. Well, uh, Netanyahu came over here because he was running for prime minister back home. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the, the several trips before where, uh, you know, he ushered Netanyahu out the back door of the White House, didn't have dinner, didn't, you know. Obama has treated Netanyahu. I, I think it's a mutual hating society. <laughs> I don't think either one of them like each other. And I think that, that goes a long way to explaining a lot of that behavior. I'm not going to excuse Obama for doing that. I, I think you should always treat foreign leaders with, with utmost respect and dignity, regardless of the country they're from, uh, if, especially if they're coming to the United States. Uh, well, not, not true. Yeah, Gaddafi, I would not have treated that way. But, I mean, you have, you have an ally, uh, a good ally. Um, now, David, I know we only have a couple minutes left, but I do want to remind um, people that the last debate, where was the last GOP debate? September the 16th. Where was it? Where was it? In uh, Reagan the Library. The Reagan Library. The Reagan Library. Have you been to Reagan Library? No. It is really an amazing place. Really. Very cool place. If you get a chance in your life to go there, it's actually very cool. Particularly if you like Ronald Reagan like, uh, like I did. Um, but Reagan was one of the most prominent pro-immigration presidents in our history. And I just don't see how the GOP candidates can call him their example, try to bring his memory into their campaign, and then speak out in a way that is so odious to the positions he took on immigration. Um, I just want to say that because I think Reagan did some good things on immigration and was instrumental in getting amnesty passed. Um, Reagan, for example, said, I believe in the idea of amnesty for those who have put down roots and lived here, even though sometime back they may, re- may have reentered illegally, Reagan said at a presidential debate in 1984. 84, not 80, in 84. Reagan was a good man. He might like, like what he did on other issues, but he, on immigration, he was a good man. All right, that's it for today. We'll be back next week on the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. Uh, until then, have an awesome week. This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you.